Welcome, fantastic friends, to the new episode of the Fancast at Four podcast, the number one Fantastic Four fancasting podcast on the internet. Presumably. I'd say confidently. I'm Dan Bettenhausen. And I'm Jack Mayer. And we are your hosts as we venture into the what-ifs of Marvel's first family. We'll be appearing in phase six of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. With Matt Shackman set to direct the MCU's Fantastic Four film, we still can explore what it would be like if a different director was behind the camera, and who might they cast? This week, our featured filmmaker is an American director, actor, writer, and producer, who after appearing in many Kevin Smith films got wider notoriety when he and his longtime collaborator won Best Original Screenplay at the 1997 Academy Awards. Once he got into directing, he initially focused on gritty crime dramas, and we have also seen him dip his toe into Hollywood retellings of historical events. Among his five feature film directing credits, he has been nominated and won once for Best Picture at the Academy Awards, won a BAFTA for both Best Film and Best Director, and as mentioned, won Oscar for Best Original Screenplay as well. This week, we are featuring Ben Affleck. Jack, what else comes to mind for you when you think about Ben Affleck? Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> first thing that comes to the mind. first thing. <laughs> Before anything that we just talked about, it's Dunkin' Donuts. Of course. Uh, this is a true story. Uh, I went to uh, the premiere of one of the movies that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. And I cannot tell you how badly I wanted to buy a Dunkin' Donuts bow tie. And <laughs> I think it would have been really funny. I didn't end up doing it, but I it is one of the deepest regrets I've ever held. Well, hopefully you have future opportunities to bring back the bit. Uh, execute it. I, I have faith that it'll it'll come come about sometime. That being said, I also think it is interesting that um, you know, Ben Affleck, I think, is kind of still a movie star that we have. Yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't disagree. I unfortunately I don't think a lot of his films have been good per se, but he's still like, a draw. He is not he is not like a massive box office draw at least not the way that anyone except Tom Cruise is at this point. Right. But I think that he is typically associated with quality now, especially as a director. Yeah. And that's what um, I was going to touch on is that I'd say his directing credits are across the board, much stronger than his acting credits, or at least his credits where he's not directing himself either. I would agree with that. I mean, he has some strong, strong films as a producer. I mean, I think really, and, and a writer too. I mean, we've seen seen his yeah, work. He's a very good Goodwill, Goodwill Hunting is an incredible film, and wouldn't have been possible. And Last was also a film. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I I think I liked it a little more than you did, but yeah, it wasn't without its issues. It did have great hairdos. <laughs> Granted, there are movies I love, like. I love Armageddon. I love a lot of the stuff he's in, but I'm not going to come out and tell you that like his acting credits are are the best thing in the world. But you know uh, what? I think he's a good Batman. I think he's a really good Batman. I'm, yeah, I'm that's fair. That he never got the opportunity to play Batman in a really excellent Batman movie or his own film. All of it has been like either partnered with Superman or the Justice League movies. We never mm-hmm. got his solo film, which I think would have been really nice to see. I think he would have knocked it out of the park. Agreed. Agreed. But I am fortunate we are talking about his directing credits here more so than his acting credits. And I think that's a good segue into our four fantastic films, uh, where we will discuss four great films directed by Ben Affleck. 
So let's kick it off with his directorial debut then. Uh, 2007's Gone Baby Gone. I think this movie is stellar. I really, really, really like this movie. I'm surprised by this movie as well. You know, typically good actors will make good directors because they've spent so much of their time around really good directors. And Affleck has obviously spent a lot of time around really talented filmmakers and individuals. But the way that he chooses to use the camera in Gone Baby Gone, the ways that he like the the things that he chooses to focus on, I think, is what really makes this movie stand out. The story is a little bit simple. The performances, other than Amy Ryan, I would say, aren't anything spectacular. Casey Affleck's really good in it. Michelle Monaghan's really good in it. Morgan Freeman's really good in it. But no one really stands out besides Amy Ryan, I would say. But what Affleck is so good at is creating an ensemble that works so well together and keeping you like ground level with everything that's going on. I think this movie is a knockout debut, maybe one of the best debuts that a director has ever made. You'd think that this guy had been making movies since he was 14. I I agree with all your points. I think what he does very well in this film and the next film we're going to talk about is create a sense of environment very well, especially in the seedier kind of Boston towns. Mm -hmm. Um, I know quite well. Right, right. So I feel like we get a sense of these different parts of Boston and he makes that a character in and of itself. I do think Casey Affleck's very strong. I agree. Amy Amy Ryan's the strongest part of the movie. I would say she definitely something, especially kind of knowing her for some of her more comedic performances like uh, In the Office or Only Murders. Like she's, this is very divergent from what we've seen her post this movie. And I mean- The force. 100%. And yeah, I think we, Ed Harris, I think, is a strong performance across the board, really. I think it's also, a, for a directorial debut, a very heavy movie, too. I mean, it's dealing with child abduction, child sexual assault, so, some very heavy subject matter. And I think he has a very gentle touch yeah, when it comes very to the subject matter. It's not, it's not heavy-handed by any means. Tons of credit to him for this debut as a director. And I do think it's interesting that he uh, chose to cast Casey in this role, uh, his brother, instead of having himself play a role, which, again, makes sense because as a debut, you're probably going to want to focus more on directing and getting a handle of everything you have to do in that department before you step in front of the camera. But that will bring us to 2010 where uh, he made his second film and the first one that he starred in that he directed, which is 2010's The Town. So this is a movie I liked a lot on first watch. I rewatched it a couple days ago in preparation for the episode. It was good. I didn't have that same feeling watching it back again, though. I think maybe because I also watched Gone Baby Gone right before it. So like we had the strength of that movie and then we get a bigger budget and... I feel like a little bit of that magic's gone. Again, not to say that it isn't a good, entertaining movie. I just feel like the gentle touches we got in Gone Baby Gone were taken away for some more action thrills in this this heist film. You can kind of see that Ben Affleck has a bigger budget with this movie. Um, and again, that's not necessarily always a bad thing, but 
I think you do lose a little bit in the town that you hadn't gone to be gone. Uh, Charlestown feels like a character still, but I think a little bit less so than uh, Boston Southie did in uh, in Gone Baby Gone. Agreed. Again, this is still a really good movie. It's still really intense. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. I think, again, everybody does a good job. Jeremy Renner's obviously fantastic. In the movie, this was this, I think, was like the Renaissance. Hurt Locker year before, this comes the year after, and he's firing on all cylinders. You know, Rebecca Hall's really good in this movie. I I feel like Lake Lively's character was a little wasted. I feel like it was very strong for this one scene she has with John Hamm near the end, but mm-hmm. the rest of it is very one note and kind of stereotypical. Um, one of the least attractive sex scenes I think I can recall in any movie I've watched as well. Like it was just not appealing. But it's, I don't think it's supposed to be appealing. No, no, but it felt very clunky just from like a technical aspect. Even mm-hmm. like the like the connection that they had as characters, fine, whatever. Like it's showing their relationship as kind of one-sided, mm-hmm. but it just felt very uncomfortable from just a logistical standpoint watching watching the scene uh compared to others but uh, that's fair again i i like this movie still i think of the four that we're talking about it's his weakest yeah but still a solid like bb plus agreed but we will go to his best picture winner which came out two years later uh 2012's argo yeah uh, kind of a surprise win i believe the best movie i think of this year uh that wasn't even nominated for best picture was the master but, oh yeah, I, I feel do. like it kind of got a bump because what didn't Hurt Locker win the year prior? Hurt Locker won a couple years before. A couple years prior, because I feel like there was probably a push to get away from these these small budget, very seldomly seen movies. Again, I love the Hurt Locker, but we kind of got this push to get these more I don't know marketable films nominated or at least one. Um, I thought it was a good movie. It was a fine movie with, you know, the Hollywood uh, kind of glossed over versions of events. I really liked the scenes with John Goodman and Alan Arkin. I thought those were um, fun. I don't know how accurate they were, but um, good movie. Kind of surprised me at one best picture, but I'm not saying it wasn't deserving. Yeah, I really like this movie. Uh, And I also rewatched it kind of recently for the podcast. I think... What Affleck is so good at with this movie is building tension. And I think that it's very reminiscent of Hitchcock in certain ways, in that he is taking small sort of scenarios and creating the most nail-biting situation around them. Like the the scene where like he's like going through, I like, think customs mm-hmm. is gripping. And it's literally just a guy who has to go from one end of a line to the other. And you feel every moment of it. You know that if like one wrong move's made, everything's done for. It has a really good opening scene as well. I think the op- like the the riot is so well directed. And yeah, that was that was a very good scene for sure. You get a, you get a real sense of scale and what Ben Affleck is. Or is you you get again? This is the first time we're out of Boston for Ben Affleck. You you get like a global scale, and you feel the weight of everything that happens and every decision that these characters make. Once again, it's a great ensemble. Uh, that 
seems to be a recurring theme with Affleck films. And, you know, to be fully honest, looking at this list, it's kind of a weak year for uh, for Best Picture nominees. Like I said, The Master is better than every movie that is on this list. But Argo's better than, like, 2012's Les Mis. It's better than Lincoln. It's better than Silver oh, So that's where I disagree. I, I love Lincoln. I think Lincoln is great. But Lincoln's a good performance in a bad movie. And it think. also has James Spader in it in a very wacky role that I like. But it also does have Jeremy Strong, who, you know, <laughs> great, great guy. But yeah, I mean, yeah, in general, probably one of the weaker years that in the last 20. So I don't think I don't think an undeserving best picture. And I'm glad yeah. that it sort of got Affleck more recognition as a as like a, an established talent. Because, again, well, especially he, since he wasn't nominated for best director. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was He's probably a bigger a surprise. He's talking. He's talked about like the effect that that had as well. And I believe it's it. Really fascinating to hear. I believe it. Um, should we move on to our final film. Yes, we are skipping over 2016's Live by Night, as I'm sure Ben Affleck would want us to, <laughs> uh, and we're jumping right to 2023's Air, courting a legend. Maybe I don't know. They 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 had that tagline and then they dropped it. I don't know. I love this movie. I think this movie is awesome. Yeah this this is the one you. We're at the premiere of, correct? This is the one that I went to the premiere of, yes. Um, yeah, really, really solid movie. Just the kind of movie that, like, I love in that it is a movie that I would almost exclusively watch on a plane. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, it's like, called Air. I mean, that that's fitting. Like, I, if I was watching it in the theater and, like, this gigantic, like, thousand-plus seat theater... And all I could think was, man, this would go hard on a nine-inch screen. <laughs> Again, there's, there is no, there's nothing wrong with watching a movie like this on the big screen. I think that seeing movies like this and giving it money and box office support is very important. That being said, it is a dad movie that is made for the plane. It is... It is a bunch of characters in a room talking. It's a bunch of characters going and talking in other places. It's Matt Damon talking about shoes, Jason Bateman talking about shoes, Ben Affleck talking about shoes. There's so much shoe talk, so much Michael Jordan talk. It is not actually seeing Michael Jordan, just like ever seeing Michael Jordan. <laughs> I think that's a really, really, really cool thing that the movie does. Uh, and I like again. I, I read a lot of like stuff about BTS and the ways that Affleck works as a director. And I was reading about, um, I was reading this interview that the screenwriter actually gave. Um, so the screenwriter, Alex Convery, wrote a spec script for this film. And Affleck and Damon's production company, Artist Equity, bought it and basically said, uh, we're going to do a pass on the script. Be aware that like changes are going to happen to your script. And the writer sort of had like this whole thing where he talks about like, you know, I would sit there on set every day because they let me come to set every day. And I would watch as they like took the script and molded it into something that like, you know, was great, but wasn't what I wrote. Viola Davis improvised the a shoe is just a shoe until my son steps into it line uh, that we see in the trailer. Great, which is a great line. That is the crux of the movie. And then the writer basically says like, and then Affleck called me into his office and said, we are going to be giving you sole writing credit on this film because I know what it's like to be a young writer and to have your name put on something and, you know, like have it, have you be recognized for the work that you've done. 
So I think that that it's re- I think it's really cool that like Affleck has taken the approach to directing where it's like I want to be able to celebrate every person who works on this movie. I think and, that it's so clear how much he cares about the films that he makes. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the performances too. We've mentioned some great performances in the other films. I feel like this movie had the most symbiotic interplay between all of the actors in all five of his movies. <clears throat> Matt, you have you have Husky Matt Damon and goofy looking Ben Affleck as Phil Knight. He's the goofiest actor alive. I'm I'm just gonna say this. This man need like this man was forced to be a leading man when he is so clearly the the psychic. best friend. He's a psychic. Like he's very hurt. We get a very heartwarming performance from Jason Bateman. Christmas Cena, probably my favorite thing he's done. Viola Davis as Dolores Jordan, wonderful. Chris Tucker, uh, I can uh, Matthew Maher as Pete Moore, the creator of the actual creator of the shoe, really mm-hmm. solid. And I think all of them playing their roles in such a way. I th- I feel like Ben Affleck really got a strong collaborative ensemble performance from all of them julius tenon as well i just want to shout oh, out yes. michael first father his yeah. in real life Michael davis is right fantastic. right right also merlin waynes as george raveling that was a very one of my favorite scenes between him and matt damon in the bar as well if you've seen it yeah no really just rock solid movie. my favorite athlete movie now that we talk about it yeah i mean I, like i said i think it's probably between this and gone baby gone but very different films. <laughs> well, uh, we, we could probably talk about these Ben Affleck movies for a while, but I think it's time to get to our fantastic castings. Uh, here, each of us will cast the four main members of the Fantastic Four, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm, Ben Graham, and their nemesis, Dr. Doom, with an actor or actress Ben Affleck has worked with previously and who has not had a major role in the MCU. Jack, as always, I'm going to turn it over to you first with your cast. For Reed Richards, I actually did pick Chris Messina, who was fantastic. An heir who's been in a bunch of uh, other Ben Affleck movies, but who I feel like has not really had the chance to have a lead role. He's And he's very, very good. And he's very talented. And I think that he would be a really good Reed Richards. Uh, for Sue Storm, I have cast Blake Lively. I know that she has been burned a little bit by comic book movies in the past, but she would actually have something to do in this movie and i think that would be great for johnny storm i am gender bending i'm casting a jenny storm if you will uh l fanning i think is one of the best young actors currently working today if you haven't seen the neon demon go watch the neon demon because she is fantastic in that movie i just said fantastic again i just said it again that's okay Okay. We'll just uh, the sound effects just going to be doing some heavy lifting today. <laughs> uh, as Ben Grimm, I'm casting the one man who had to hold his family together, Jason Bateman. Uh, I think that Michael Bluth as Ben Grimm uh, would be a sight to see, and I need it in my life. And then Doctor Doom, I'm casting Kyle Chandler. Uh, Kyle Chandler is a fantastic character actor and i think he would bring a lot to dr doom wonderful well looking at my cast i had to kind of pick up the scraps of uh people no i can i can a lot of fantastic 
actors I've been able to choose. Um, but for my Reed Richards, I went with an actor who showed up in Argo, uh, and that's Tate Donovan. I feel like he is someone who unfortunately missed his chance to be a lead actor. I think he's really strong. I really liked him in Damages, that show with uh, Rose Byrne and Glenn Close. Super good if you've never watched it. Uh, but he was kind of that next level actor in that show. And I think he has a lot of charm. He's an attractive man. I think he can play Reed Richards very well. And it would be nice to give him a chance to really, really shine uh, in a role like this. Uh, for Sue Storm, I cast someone who was also in Argo, and I probably most know her from uh, the season us Scrubs fans don't really talk about, season nine, and that's Carrie Bechet, who she was the uh, the lead in that revamped Scrubs season, uh, but she was also one of the main characters in Argo. Just an actress who I don't think really has had a lot of film success. We've seen her in a lot of TV. Halt and Catch Fire comes to mind from that AMC show. But just, yeah, someone else I'd love to give a shot to really lead a movie like this. I will say, Dan, uh, despite your distaste for the final season, you are objectively Scrubs. I am objectively Scrubs. I know Scrubs. I live Scrubs. I I are I are Scrubs. Thank you. We, everyone needs to know that. For my Johnny Storm, I've probably cast the biggest name of among my cast, at least of the Fantastic Four, and that is Casey Affleck, who starred in Gone Baby Gone, who's also made a few appearances on the podcast, uh, which you know it's nice to have. We'll see. We'll see if he's around. He might. He might. He might. <laughs> he's hiding somewhere. He's just lurking around. <laughs> he's all, him and him and Mark, I feel like, are constantly like around. <laughs> So yeah, I'll probably have to do a little de-aging on him just for what I'm looking to do. <laughs> and hopefully we can get a little more energy out of him as well uh, for Johnny Storm. More more uh, Gone Baby Gone, less Manchester by the Sea, Casey Affleck. Or a ghost I think we're verging on a ghost story, Casey Affleck, right now. <laughs> that was the most lively I've ever been in a movie. Oh, hey, Casey. Uh, good to see you. Oh, or hear you. This is a podcast. We hear you. No, you can hear me. I'm, I'm on the podcast here. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I fucking love Duncan. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good movie. Heard you're, heard, you're, heard you're making a movie. Quit yelling, Casey. We can hear you. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm just trying to keep my voice down a little bit more. Is it okay if I talk about who my uh, Ben Grimm is? Yeah, I don't hear Ben Grimm. <laughs> so for my Ben Grimm, I've cast uh, a live-by-night actor, probably best known for his role in the TV show This Is Us, and that's Chris Sullivan. And before you're all like, oh, wait, 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 Chris Sullivan was Taserface in the Guardians movies. That's not a major role. So bleh, he can be Ben Grimm. Taserface is not a major role in the MCU. He was also Hermes in the original cast recording of Town, and he's fantastic. Yes, Hermes, go listen. Was he? I did not know that. Yeah, the like the original, original, like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The New York Theater Workshop one. He's I'm not hated. saying that's bad, but like if you um, can go if you can go from Chris Sullivan to Andre De Shields, like sorry, Chris. <laughs> he's, he's really good. Like if, I'm not saying I'm not saying that, but like oh man, Andre De Shields is great. If you haven't watched seen Hades Town, go listen to it. Go to Broadway and watch it. Yeah, Do go it. to New York and watch Hades Town. 
anyway so dr doom uh the not so not my final casting actually uh but my dr doom i went with an actor who has appeared in three of ben affleck's directed films live by night or oh four excuse me live by night argo the town and gone baby gone and that is a man with a very cool name titus welliver and a very cool mustache in gone baby gone just the name itself feels like he should be dr doom I felt like if I didn't cast a man named Titus Welliver as Dr. Doom, I was going to get my ass beaten. Uh, so that's probably, and he's also kind of a, can play a very menacing guy. So that's why I cast Titus Welliver. Uh, my last two castings though, and I guess I should preface before getting into my pitch in a little bit. Uh, I said, we're giving these people an opportunity to shine in these roles. The Fantastic Four and Dr. Doom don't play a big role in my movie actually, but Ben Affleck and Matt Damon do as Stanley and Jack Kirby. So that is my tease for my pitch. We'll have uh, Ben Affleck as Stan Lee, Matt Damon as Jack Kirby, and you'll just have to hear why shortly. Uh, well, with our films cast, now it is time to pitch our Ben Affleck helmed Fantastic Four films. But before we get into those pitches, I have two questions for us. First, is your film an origin film? Mine is not. Mine is, in a way. I, weird inflection sorry about that but yeah my my guess mine is secondly is your film part of the mcu yes mine is not but i could see marvel studios producing it okay as always jack you have first dibs on sharing your pitch we begin our movie about a month after uh the events of doctor strange in the multiverse of madness what has gotten around after this film is the idea of this super terrorist from Sokovia, uh, this Wanda Maximoff, this Scarlet Witch, this destroyer of worlds, ready to take ours and turn it to dust for her own selfish needs. And that has put a target on Sokovia's back, particularly from the country of Latveria, uh, which is being run essentially by Victor Von Doom. You know, he's like the liaison to the uh, king of Latveria, but he's more like the grim worm tongue, you know, putting ideas into the head of the uh, the king of Latveria uh, and essentially getting them to go to war because Dr. Doom has this new technology called Doombots, that he's ready to employ. They're similar to Iron Man's robots, but a lot more deadly, let's say. However, if we'll remember, Sokovia uh, was once the testing site for uh, several Iron Man patrol officers. So our opening scene, not unlike uh, the opening scene in Argo, takes place in Sokovia, where uh, you know you have citizens you know hiding fleeing uh from these doom bots and seeing this fight between the uh iron man robots of the stark industries but eventually latveria sort of takes the upper hand and gains control of the territory because sokovia can't catch a freaking break in the mcu can it uh this then brings us to the baxter building where the fantastic four are getting uh briefed on the what has happened in Sokovia and and what happened in relation to Latveria. They're getting briefed by Shield because the in this universe the Fantastic Four work for Shield because 
everybody works for S.H.I.E.L.D. if you're a superhero, basically. And the first third of this movie is going to be like air. It's going to be a lot of characters sitting in a room and talking. It's going to be a lot of debate about the morally right thing to do. It's going to be a lot of discussion of how are we responsible for what has happened in Sokovia and Latveria? What is our uh, what is our government's response? What is their government's response? Again, the age-old questions that are asked in superhero movies like in Civil War, but, you know, done with Ben Affleck's sort of signature. Eventually, the bomb is dropped that the technology that Doctor Doom used to build the Doombots was actually created by Reed Richards and Ben Grimm when they were in college, stolen from them by Victor Von Doom, and taken back to his home country. And that is what really sets... Ben in particular off in the idea that we need to go and attack. Sue is much more on Ben's side with this, and I kind of want to do a little bit of a role reversal almost. I want to see Johnny Storm kind of have a little bit more innocence to her. Again, she's Jenny Storm in this, but I'm just going to say Johnny because it's a little bit easier, and that's what I wrote in my (laughs) draft. I want to see her sort of have a little bit more innocence, a little bit more of like a... A little, a little less of a harsh view of the world. And I want Suze to be a little bit more go at them, forward thinking. So you kind of have Reed and Johnny on one side and you have Sue and Ben on another, which I think would be really interesting to see because usually we don't tend to see those combinations kind of going at each other in the dynamic of the Fantastic Four. But anyways, we go to Latveria and the second act of this movie is basically a lot of tense moments like Argo combined with talking like air, but it's 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 a little it's got a little bit more pol- of a political slant to it. Uh, it it's got there's a lot of figuring out like what this country looks like, what are their exports, how much vibranium do they have? It's a little bit more of a thinker in the mcu and i think that that's something that the franchise needs right now is that like you know you're trying to get your audience engaged with characters and worlds so you want them to sort of you you want them to sort of feel latveria and i want latveria to be a character much in the way that southie is a character and gone baby gone you sort of see like the underbelly of Latveria you see like the the under the table dealings that people are making for Von Doom but then you also see like this sort of like idealistic like ultra modern utopia I'm, I'm sort of thinking it's kind of it's kind of like Dubai where like you have this giant ultra modern like ahead of its time you've never seen anything like it city and then everything surrounding that city is barren and it's dirty and you 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 don't feel like you feel safe in the city you don't feel safe anywhere outside the city and you're gonna have like run-ins with doom bots you're gonna have action sequences as well but ultimately it's about the political thrill of it we get to the end of act two and the fantastic four get kidnapped or captured and victor von doom sort of reveals like uh that his plan was to lure the fantastic four to latveria And that in order to keep them contained, he is going to put them as attractions in the city. He wants to make them his puppets, essentially. Results in a final action sequence. They don't beat Von Doom, though. That's the big, I think that's the big twist. That you were expecting, you know, the Fantastic Four are going to come out on top and win. 
but Doom actually ends up getting the upper hand. We end the movie with the Fantastic Four trapped in Latveria, seen as playthings. They start to get marketed as like, come see the Fantastic Four only in Latveria. You know, like they're stuck behind glass. Their powers only work to an extent and they can't use them against anybody. And that's kind of where we leave off the movie on a cliffhanger of how are the Fantastic Four going to escape from Latveria. I really like that. That was really cool. I, I do really feel like that is, I see a lot of the Ben Affleck touches that we had talked about previously. I like the kind of the political, I don't want to say political thriller, but like the political overtones along with like the escape thriller that we're kind of leading to once I imagine we get to a sequel. Um, no, I, I'm really interested and I think it's something that Ben Affleck totally would do. Yeah, I think I, I'm excited to hear yours though because Dan Lee and Jack Kirby as main characters. <laughs> Let's hear this. So my film opens on a golf course with a couple of publishing execs playing a round of golf. Uh, Martin Goodman, played by John Goodman of Marvel Comics, playing along with Erwin Donenfeld, played by Alan Arkin, of the National Periodical Publications, which would eventually become DC Comics. During the entire round, Donenfeld brags about the success of their new series featuring a team of superheroes, the Justice League of America. After the game, Goodman returns to his publishing office, and he slams a copy of the Justice League of America on the desk of Editor-in-Chief Stan Lee, played by Ben Affleck. Goodman then exclaims, if the Justice League is selling, here we get Ben Affleck breaking the fourth wall and staring at the camera, before Goodman continues, why don't we put out a comic book that features a team of our own? Screen goes black and the title card appears, First Family, Marvel and the Making of the Fantastic Four. When we return, the story follows Lee and his partner Jack Kirby, played by Matt Damon, as they work to create Marvel's first superhero team. For years prior to this directive, Lee had felt restricted by the comic book medium and struggled to carve a place for himself. In a conversation with Kirby, he says, for just this once, I would do the type of story I myself would enjoy reading. And the characters would be the kind of characters I could personally relate to. They'd be flesh and blood. They'd have their faults and foibles. They'd be fallible and feisty. And most important of all, inside their colorful costume booties, they'd still have feet of clay. The movie continues to show the creative process of Lee and Kirby with input from Goodman. We see Lee depicted as creating the basic character concepts and the synopsis of the story, whereas Kirby created the initial look of the team. We even see a conversation between the three of them where they mull over the various team names before deciding upon the Fantastic Four. We also see them create what is now known as the Marvel method of comic book creation, where the penciler turns in all of the art pages to the writer, who then fills in the captions and dialogue. This method has become a standard for the company since then. One Easter egg we would also get during this is when Kirby was creating the look of the team, he pulled out some old art from his time at DC of characters called the Challengers of the Unknown. This has always led to some disagreement between Kirby and Lee on who the actual creators of the Fantastic Four were, as there were some similarities between the Fantastic Four and Kirby's Challengers of the Unknown. As the movie nears its conclusion, we see that sales of the Fantastic Four number one are an unexpected success. And because of this, Lee decides to stay at Marvel and not leave the comic business. And he eventually gives the series the slogan, the world's greatest comic book magazine. Now you may wonder where those who I cast as the Fantastic Four come into play. So to incorporate them throughout the film, 
we will get cutscenes from issue one in a semi-animated style, kind of cel-shaded, kind of like a scanner darkly, if you have any idea what that movie is. And it will depict snippets of scenes from Fantastic Four number one, including their origin and the fight with Mole Man, who I'll have played by Matthew Maher, another frequent collaborator of Ben Affleck's. And ideally, these scenes will interplay with corresponding moments in the film's main storyline. But it will still be fun and action-packed depiction of both the comic book and the characters in story origin. So, and that's the movie. Wanted to go very air here, the making that's of very, very much so. That was what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, just yeah, the creation of Marvel and what launched Marvel, and that being the Fantastic Four. And I think Ben Affleck, as a comic book fan, would really eat this up as well and do some fun. And I'd like to see him kind of dip his toe into animation. So definitely wanted to get the Fantastic Four in there, but this is definitely more about the origin of the comic book and not so much the stories of the character, the Fantastic Four characters. Which is evidently still a really interesting story. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I like that it's Ben Affleck and Matt Damon sort of being able to work off each other. I kind of now want them to just do like different duos that like started different companies and things. That should just be their new goal in life. Like stay a little pudgy. You don't need to get in shape. Ben Affleck can marry Jennifer Lopez now. Just, you know, get fat and make buddy movies about. They play like the Wright brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Air (laughs) 2. Lewis and Clark. But yeah, so I didn't want to, you know, go too in depth, but there it was very fascinating at kind of the discrepancy I found between Kirby and Lee, where Stanley is very much, yeah, this was a collaborative effort, where Jack Kirby is very much more like, nah, I created the Fantastic Four. So for this Hollywood version, I didn't want to play up that drama too much, but I wanted to kind of nod to it that Kirby had a little extra hand in their design. But, you know. But that said, I think that's a good place to end the episode. Uh, we did our fan castings. We got our pitches for a Ben Affleck Fantastic Four film. I certainly hope you, the listeners, enjoyed our exploration into this what-if scenario. Uh, we want to make a special note that the Fancastic Four podcast is hosted for free on Spotify Podcasts, formerly Anchor. We encourage you, if you have your own podcast idea, to check out Spotify Podcasts. It is a great resource for getting your idea off the ground. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, we'd greatly appreciate you hitting the subscribe button and commenting with who your Ben Affleck cast would be on what you thought of our lists and pitches and on which director you'd like to see next. I also want to thank Matt Hart and Matty Gunner for the fantastic theme music they created for us. And I want to thank you all again for listening. I'm Dan Bettenhausen. I'm Jack Mayer, and we hope you all stay fantastic.